We're going to be reading some verses at the end of this particular chapter that I think you'll find fascinating for some of you familiar. And uh, I've entitled the lesson this morning, Breaking the Tyranny of Feelings. Breaking the Tyranny of Feelings. I don't know if any of you can remember, perhaps you're of my age area, when you remember the song, Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Oh, we're all going to sing together. Trying to forget my what feelings of. I can't sing. See, that's why they'll never give me a mic. Wait, but I love this part. Feelings. Whoa, everybody in their car was doing that. Whoa, 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 feelings. Trying to forget that my feelings of love. Yeah. <laughs> Have no fear. No one will take me with a recording contract away from you. All right. But I just thought of that song when I started to consider feelings. There, there really is no greater obstacle, stumbling block, or battlefield in our lives than our feelings. I was reading, and one has said this, Feelings are the unharnessed frontier of our being. I like that phrase, the unharnessed frontier of our being. In other words, for most people, feelings are like the wild, wild west. There are lots of shootouts and yeehaws when it comes to our feelings. Now, feelings have their place. We were created by God to enjoy feelings. In fact, the Bible tells us that the fruit of the spirit-filled life produces feelings. Feelings like joy. Peace, love, all the, all the fruits of the Spirit, there's a, there's a feeling that's attached to those things. And so you need to understand that feelings aren't evil, but you need to understand that feelings have their place. Feelings are the most variable and unreliable, I'll say that again, they are the most variable and unreliable part of our makeup. And once you realize that, you'll begin to understand why it is the center of most of Satan's attacks against us. I have found that, that when I evaluate my own feelings, there's a mystery at work at times. Because oftentimes I've got this feeling and I don't even understand why I've got the feeling. Most of you have had the same thing. You get feelings and, and you may not even be sure where that feeling came from. In fact... For a lot of us, we never take the time to evaluate anything. We just go with the feeling. It's almost unexplainable as to why and how a feeling works in us. Now remember, God intended originally for the feeling to be the joy center. However, because of our fallen nature and the carnality of who we are as human beings, there's a lot of corruption that's entered into that. And so you need to realize that feelings can be a real challenge. I've also found that you cannot create a feeling just at will. In fact, it's, it's difficult to command a feeling. Feelings tend to have a mind of their own. Isn't that true? I, I mean, you, can, you could be thinking or doing or have some reason or logic or whatever it is going on inside of you, and that feeling will have a mind of its own. Now, now I want to read you a passage because I just want to let you know that probably the greatest apostle that we would identify as having ever lived, the apostle Paul, had to deal with feelings. And, and, and so you can be the most spiritual of people in the room today, or you can feel like you're the lowest on the totem pole. But I'm going to tell you this, Paul, an apostle, dealt with his feelings. Now listen to what I'm going to read to you, Romans 7, 14, it says this, listen, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Is he not messed up at this particular moment? I mean, he's messed up. 
Verse 20, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Can I just suggest to you at this particular moment, now I understand and I can have your, a doctrinal debate with anybody, but can you just slip the word in there, that feeling that dwells in me. How else could you want to do something but you don't do it, but you do that which you don't want to do when you know you ought to do it? Well, how does that work? Well, can I just suggest to you a feeling? There's a feeling going on. Verse 21. I find then a law that evil's present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members. That law is called feelings. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, I read those verses again this week, and it helped me because one of the greatest apostles that we would all probably agree on had feelings going on inside of him that caused him to be all over the map at times emotionally, behaviorally, and with his decision-making. He said right here up front, I am all over the map. And Paul admits that this utterly chaotic situation he in is crazy to allow to continue to go on in his life or to allow this to happen. And so I wanted to talk just a few moments as to the place of feelings, the tyranny of feelings and get getting those under the dominion of the Holy Spirit himself. Let's start out with talking about where do feelings come from? Feelings, if you ever wondered where your feelings came from or your emotions, they reside in that part of you that is called the soul. The Bible clearly teaches us that we are triune like our creator and that we have three parts to us, the spirit or the inner man, then there's the soul, and then there's our body. Now all of these areas have their design and function as God created them. But the soul is that part of us that is what I call the conduit. Everything we do is worked through the soul. Every decision we make, every, uh, the way we look at the world, the way we deal with people, the way we feel, everything is conduited through the soul. If God works in the inner man, even as he works in the inner man, it has to work through the soul so it eventually is demonstrated or it is acted upon out here in our body and uh, it's interesting that the bible uses the greek word psuche as the greek word for soul it's actually where we get our word psychology from now i used to teach because i'm changing it this morning i used to teach that there were three aspects to the soul and for those of you that have heard this and you've heard it from watchman knee i'm sure and from others that the soul consisted of and you can say it your mind your will and your emotions and that's true. But I also think there are two other areas that are encompassed in the soul that don't get much attention. I also feel like that the memory is within the soul. If you want to know where your memory is housed, I believe that's in the soul. As well as your imagination. I have come to the conclusion that imagination, the, the ability to dream and envision, is within the soul as well. Which is why if it's corrupted, it turns into speculation. Now... If you begin to think about those five aspects, the mind, the will, the emotions or feelings, the memory, and the imagination, you can begin to see how much of life is at command of your soul. You can probably guess now at this point why the enemy would like to get his fingers in that particular area of your life and begin to wreak havoc in that particular area because the enemy is smart. He's certainly not a stupid enemy. And he knows that if he can somehow mess up your soul area, if he can get his fingers into that soul aspect of who you are, then he can ostensibly control your life. If he can mess up your feelings, so out of your feelings you make poor decisions, then he doesn't have to do a lot on the outside or the outer world. He can just keep it messed up internally, keeping you making poor decisions. And how many of you know the quality of your decisions will eventually reflect the quality of your life? I mean, this is not, not high-tech psychology. You do not have to have a PhD. I'll give you, I'll give you psychology in a nutshell. Good decisions, good life. Bad decisions, bad life. You got psychology right there. 
So you want to be sure what's going on inside of you is yielded to the Spirit of God. Because if the enemy is in there and he causes your memories to be unhealed, if he causes your memories to be painful, if he can generate feelings, if he can cause out of those feelings to mess up God-driven rationality and logic, if he can do all of that, what happens is you begin to live in fear, you begin to live in those speculations, and he immobilizes you, and all he has to do is adjust a feeling. He says, if I can just adjust a feeling, I can shut down a destiny. And some of you need to get a hold of that, just like I do. One feeling can shut down a destiny. Now, let me give you just three sources. There are only three sources that um, a feeling can come from. Three sources, very simple. Number one is God. If your soul yields to your inner man, that spirit portion of who you are, that's what God works with he works with the inner man so the inner man as he begins to work with the spirit of the lord begins to shoot these these impressions into the soul area and if your soul yields to that which is going on in your inner man then what happens is the feelings that god intends for you to carry comes through that soul area and you begin to enjoy a quality of life and a quality of existence you've not known in other words Jesus says, my joy I give to you. So he puts joy in the inner man. Inner man starts sending out signals. Joy, 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 joy. Soul area yields to inner man and says, oh, I'm getting joy. Therefore, I shall be joyful. Are you with me? That's how God works in our system. Now, there's a second area. The second area that can shoot a feeling towards us is what we call the flesh. The Bible uses the word carnal. Now, now just I'll define carnal like this. Carnal is that which indicates selfish, self-interested feelings that are related to your nature. Now, let me give you an example. Those of you that have had children and you've raised them up from the time they were babies will understand that the chief characteristic of a child is that they act on their feelings without thinking. Is that not true? I mean, they do not think about the consequence of what it means to throw a fit in the grocery store aisle three. They just do it. They don't think about how you're in the nicest restaurant in Charleston. You put them in a high chair. You've given them Cheerios at Infidim plus their sippy cup and they're screaming. They just act on what they feel. That's the characteristic of a child. A baby. You know how babies work. Babies are babies and babies cry selfishly. Feed me change me i don't care if you're taking a nap i don't give a rip if there's people over here i don't care do it i'm translating those whales that come out of the crib and the the car seat now you may think that's the devil in them it's not the devil in them you just babies they aren't they don't need deliverance that's their flesh the interesting part is we just get more refined in that activity as we get older we still do the same thing as adults. We're just a little more refined at it. You know, we call that finesse. We call it in our kids a fit. We're finesse. You see, that's how we do it. But that's the flesh. Then thirdly is the devil. The devil can get in there. And if your soul has an open door, or if somehow or another there's something in your soul area that has given legal access. Now, I'm talking to Christians right now. Now, the world obviously is going to have this problem not knowing Jesus Christ. But I want you as a believer to know that you in your soul area can have issues, you can have wounds, there can be things going on, maybe you're aware of, maybe you're not, but they become legal openings, legal doors, accesses by which the enemy can come in and begin to wreak havoc in that particular area of your life. Do you love the Lord? Yes. But how many of you know a lot of us love the Lord and we get angry at the drop of a hat? How many of you know we love the Lord and we're jealous? We love the Lord and we're insecure. We love the Lord and we can't get our feelings under control. Why is that? Because there's probably been an open door, some form of legal access that has caused the enemy to come in and wreak the havoc that he so easily and efficiently can do in your life. And what happens is if he's in there, then your soul becomes your battlefield listen to me sometimes your problem is not your marriage it's not your job 
It's not your school. Your problem is not the world. Your problem is not where you live. It's not your neighbor. Sometimes your problem isn't isn't about the geography that you're at. You know, geographically, you can go to any city in America, and I'm just telling you, any place in the world. And you're going to have issues if that area in your being is not addressed. That's why he likes to do that. And you can can do whatever you want to do, but eventually it's going to have to be addressed. And the greatest area of access to our souls, write this one down, the greatest area of access to our soul is wounds. Wounds. Write this one down too. Wounds left unattended attract evil spirits. Get this picture in your mind real quick. Imagine it could be it could be out in the forest or it could be out you know in an open piece of field. But imagine a wounded animal, just a wounded rabbit, a wounded groundhog, a wounded animal. All of a sudden, in whatever wounded it, whether it be you know. It, it, it cut itself or somehow or another it just it ended up just partially getting wounded those of you especially those of you that hunt would know this those of you that are outdoorsmen would know this but what begins to happen is is that when there's a wounded animal in the area what you'll begin to see is buzzards and hawks begin to circle because it sees a wound and out of that wound they begin to say to themselves whoa death Death is close. And what will happen is, if it's wounded enough, they're able to swoop in and expedite the death that's going on in that particular animal. Now, let me just share this with you. When there's a wound in your soul, there are devils, demons, that begin to circle. And they see that going on in your life. They begin to smell death. And they begin to say to themselves, if an opportunity arises, we can shoot through and exploit that wound and bring about death quicker in that particular person's life. Because the enemy's resume and the enemy's uh, job description is this. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's not out just to give you a bad day or a depressing life. He's out to kill you. Ultimately. It may not be tomorrow, but ultimately that's his design. And so if you don't deal with a wound, it attracts the enemy and he begins to encircle, even feed on it until what happens is it begins to consume you. So here's the point. The point is you can't play around with a wound. You can't play around with a hurt. Wounds do not leave on their own. Wounds do not just eventually go away. I know there's a great song that's out there, you know, that time heals all wounds. Well, that may make for a great country song, but it's terrible doctrine. All time does is is it just scabs it in order to be picked at and picked at and picked at until finally it's accessed. There is a way to address wounds within our heart and soul area, but most people ignore that. And I think that's why emotionally, even in the church, we can be messed up. So if a wound messes us up, and if it messes up how we think and how we feel and how we make decisions, if if a wound begins to mess up how we remember things, if a wound messes up our imagination and turns us into speculation and, and releases all those areas that the enemy wants to put in us, If a wound can begin to do that, it becomes, for many people, am I not right, a tyranny. You've got an internal dictator in your life. You've got something going on right now that's calling the shots, that's keeping you from doing not only the will of God, but ultimately God wants to get you to something good, but you can't get there because the feeling mechanism is all whacked out of shape. So how do you get free from the tyrant? How many of you know that there's a revolutionary war that needs to take place right between your eyes? I mean, no joke. There is is a battle that needs to take place that you need to declare freedom from the real tyrant, which is the enemy who is working on the inside. How do you break free from that tyranny? How do you begin to liberate yourself from the roller coaster ride of your feelings? Now, you may not, maybe today's a good day. You feel good. The sun's out. You live in Charleston. 
You got to hear a solo from pastor. I mean, just life's good. And so you're saying to yourself, oh, that's that's good. That's a good word, pastor. Yeah, I know a lot of people probably needed that. You just need to be smart enough to know that sometime in your life, because I don't believe any human being can make it through life without somehow getting wounded, hit, touched in their soul area. I just I've just come to the conclusion you're a liar. I mean, you're going to get hit and you need to understand how to address it. In order to go forward, how do you begin to liberate yourself from that roller coaster ride? Number one, you need to distinguish between an appropriate and inappropriate feeling. Distinguish between what is a good, righteous, godly feeling and what is an inappropriate, unrighteous, devilish, fleshly feeling. Now, I understand. Listen to me. Here's how most people work. They get a feeling. They don't think about it. They don't analyze it. They just go with it. You had a feeling. You don't think about this until right now as I'm talking about it. Most of life is lived. I get a feeling. Let's just run with the feeling. And it just happens. And it happens so much. We develop this habit of feeling. Move on it. Feeling. Speak it. Feeling. Act. And, and we never stop for just a moment and, and begin to look at ourselves and say, why am I feeling like I'm feeling at this particular moment? You see, our problem is most folks are wildly led by their feelings without taking a moment to even evaluate them. Now, the good news is there will be God feelings that will come. Wonderful feelings that he designed for us from the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve There were to be feelings. How many of you know Adam and Eve were to feel perfect, pure love to one another? That would be a feeling. They were to have this unmitigated joy about where they lived and their God that they served and all the good things around them. They were to they were to enjoy all of those feelings. But corruption came into the into the arena and all of that has been twisted in us now over centuries and indeed millennia. And we need to remember that feelings were no longer meant to rule us, but feelings were meant to enhance us. I'll say that again. Feelings are not to rule you. They're to enhance you. So you need to ask a feeling when it comes to you. Let's just say feeling is anger. Mr. Anger shows up and knocks. Or whatever whatever feeling you get from time to time. Insecurity. I've mentioned... uh, uh, You know, jealousy, uh, covetousness. I mean, think of all the unrighteous feelings, lust, envy, any feeling, any feeling that's yours that seems to knock the most. When that feeling begins to arise that wants to begin to lead you somewhere in your mind and ultimately through your will and let it manifest in your life. Are you getting me? That feeling wants to get into your mind. Have you make a decision, act on it. In order to produce the death that the enemy wants to bring in your life. This is what you do. You begin to ask, feeling, where do you want to lead me? Where where do you want to motivate me? Where, Where is it that you want to take me? Because I'm here to tell you, you're not ruling today. This feeling cannot rule. Now think about this. If you had a pain going on, let's say you've got, whether it's back pain, shoulder pain, joint pain. If you had pain going on in your life. You would not brush that pain aside and, and uh, just simply say, oh, I got a pain. So because I got a pain, I'm just going to ignore it. But probably what you would do is you'd go see a doctor. You'd want something to address the pain because all of us are acutely aware of pain that goes on in our body. And when that thing arises, we say to ourselves, why do I feel this way? Why is it that this joint? I mean, I, I, I jumped out of the forerunner after driving two hours the other day up the road to Florence. And I got out and man, I was stiff. Oh, man, you're an old man, Kevin. I mean, you just rode two hours and you can't hardly walk. I mean, wonder why that is. And I sat there for probably five minutes going, I wonder why that is, man. I've been running three days a week. And, and I spent five minutes evaluating why in the world I had pain going through my body. Some of you are adept at that. I mean, you just, you live off whatever pain's next. I mean, you're always thinking about what's going on. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just simply saying, why can't we do that when that feeling jumps in us? Why do we feel this way? Why is it that this has jumped in me? Why, where did this come from? Where is it taking me? What's going on? You need to begin to distinguish between whether 
this is a God feeling or whether or not this is flesh feeling or devil feeling. And if you can start there, that'll help a lot. Number two, feelings must be matured and discipled. I bet you never thought of that. Feelings must be matured and discipled. If you feel something contrary to the word of God, what do you do? Well, you know what you do? You apply precept to the feeling. If you feel, if you feel an attitude, if you, if you feel something, an emotion that is contrary to what the word of God says is appropriate or in order for a believer to feel, and, and yet you feel that way. I'm not saying ignore it. Obviously, you feel that way, and a feeling's a feeling. But you've got to understand that there's a discipline and a maturity that has to be applied to that particular feeling. Have you ever heard somebody, I know nobody here would ever say this. I know nobody in this church would ever say these things. It always happens up north somewhere. It's never down south. But have you ever heard someone say, if it feels good, just do it? Have you heard that? How about this one? Well, I'm just trying to be true to my heart. Boy, I've heard that one and watched people do some pretty dumb things as they're being true to their heart. Isn't it interesting? People have affairs and they'll go, I'm, I'm just being true to my heart. <laughs> well, I don't know what's in your heart, but what's in your heart ain't in the word of God. Are you with me? I mean, we'll do all kinds of things that are just outlandish, over the top. We'll mess up our lives being true to our heart. I mean, hear me, if the enemy can make you feel a certain way, he can control you. And the whole time the world will say, I'm just being true to my heart. I know I want to do this. I know it's contrary to everything the Bible says. Now, I know they don't say that, but I mean, that's what's going on. Contrary to everything the Bible says. But I'm going to be true to my heart and I'm sincere. And the reason you feel sincere is because you've allowed the feeling to become the ruler in your life. And because you've acquiesced to that rulership, you feel like you're not duplicitous inside. Are you with me? And you don't realize the whole time you're, you're agreeing with the devilment that's beginning to take place right there. But you're confused because it's twisted your mind to where now you're true to your heart and you're sincere. Oh, I'm genuine. I know you're genuinely wrong. You're sincerely in error. I don't care what your feeling says. The feeling is not what rules you. A feeling may enhance you when God's in the middle of it, but that feeling was never meant to rule you. And this is the part we don't get. We do not get that, yes, God expects us and our inner man to arise and exercise dominion over that stuff. If you've got lustful thoughts, if you've got jealousies and all the things, whether you're male or female, whatever your disposition toward your thought life is, yes, God expects us to arise and begin to take dominion over those issues of our brain. Just the same way with our feelings. He expects, yes, even our will. Our imagination, our memory. We are not punching bags that are simply here in the world getting knocked every which direction by the enemy whenever he wants to slap us. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. Greater is he that works in me than he that's in the world. There is nothing the world can throw at me that does not have an answer to. There is no temptation known unto men. That there is not a way of escape given. I'm telling you, you can win. Amen. Including your feelings. Now I understand there are powerful things inside of us. And we all have been tripped by our feeling. But if you're only motivated, listen to me, by what you see and what you hear, Satan will make sure that you see and you hear a lot. He'll keep funneling you all the information you want to keep you all torn up. Because he knows once I get the feelings, I got the life. Number three, obedience is one of the keys to changing my feelings. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. You've heard me teach on this before. Second Corinthians 10, 5. It says here, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience 
when your, now everyone say, that's me, when your obedience is fulfilled. I mean, you've heard me say this. My body, to this day, hates exercise. I mean, I'm amazed at how my body will talk to me. I'll start walking to that elliptical machine, and there's a voice inside of there that says, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't want to do that. Please don't do that. I beg you. If you don't do that, I'll get you a cookie. I mean, I mean, I mean you ought to hear all the negotiating that's going on inside of me. Listen to me. I hate eating healthy, too. If I have a choice between eating bean sprouts or ranch-flavored Doritos, I'm telling you, there's a... Paul, Paul ought to add it to Romans chapter 7. I mean, the good that I would, I don't. I mean, it's just... I mean, I mean it's amazing how these things happen. But if I want to live my destiny, if I want to live to the fullness of what God has created me to do, I've got to begin to fight the feeling. Some of you, I'm here to tell you, everybody, do we not all do this? There are mornings we get up and say, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do it. And you start thinking of a thousand ways you can get out of it. Hey, it's everybody. But there comes a moment that you say to yourself, but... I enjoy eating. I enjoy air conditioning in the summer. I enjoy a roof over my head. So therefore, I will arise and be obedient to what I know I must do despite how I feel. And it's amazing. A lot of times you'll go to work, you'll go to school, and you aren't into the thing for five minutes before your whole life changes. And you go, you know what? Today's a pretty good day. Isn't that amazing? It does work that way sometimes. Because what you did was you obeyed what you needed to do instead of let the feeling rule you. And when you obeyed what you needed to do, you began to pull the feeling your direction. And the feeling finally got it in their mind. You know what? I might as well catch up with them because they aren't going to do it my way. So obedience. Obedience. Your soul has to be under the dominion of the word of God and the spirit of God. You do what is right and not let the feeling tell you otherwise. And then finally, number four. Feelings must go to the cross and be broken. Romans chapter 6, verse 10, quickly it says, For the death that he died, meaning Jesus, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. Everyone say, that's me again. Yeah, it is. Reckon yourself, that word reckon actually means to envision yourself or to imagine yourself or to picture yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jump over to chapter 7, verse 5. It says, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, feelings, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. There are times you must go to the cross and you must die to how you feel. Literally, you have to die. You just have to say, I, I feel this way, but I just, I die to how I feel. Now, I want to give you an example here, and I'm going to end with this. We're getting into the passion season, the Easter season. And so I want you to think for just a moment about Jesus and about all that he would embrace these last couple of weeks as his earthly ministry was about ready to end and all the events of the crucifixion and the resurrection were about to take place. Imagine with me that we're on the brink of him going into Jerusalem. The crucifixion is just ahead of him. And as he looks, you know how he struggled, how there were feelings that were going on inside of him. If any of you think that Jesus was this robotic person that just sort of walked along the will of God, I'm here to tell you, read your Bible. He was in Gethsemane. It said that he sweat as drops of blood. And he said out of his own mouth, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What he was saying was, I really don't want to do this. It doesn't feel good. I'm stressed. I've got all this going on, but this is what he said. But nevertheless, not my will, 
but thy will be done. And so he moves to the crucifixion. And, and without going into all of it, we all know that the crucifixion was the most unfair, unjust happening that a human being, especially Jesus, could have endured or received. And I thought to myself, the very son of God, what did, what did he do to deserve crucifixion, really? I mean, all he did was heal people and raise folks from the dead and he fed people and he went about doing good works and there wasn't anything that he did that was out of line. All he was trying to do was to help people. Could you imagine, can you imagine that he just went about helping folk and yeah, some of his instruction was hard and he was teaching the truths of the kingdom, but, but all the time he was just helping people get their lives straight and on track. But because of the spirit of religion and the age, it seized him and did this cruel, unjust, unfair happening in his life. And I started thinking that if Jesus was very God and very man, if he was not only fully divine, but he was also fully human so that he could identify with me and with you, what might a person feel like if they received something that was so incredibly unfair, incredibly unjust, incredibly over the top. Think about this for just a minute. If it had been a normal human being, probably you or me, how many feelings of anger and bitterness, how many feelings of revenge and all the other things that would be mingled inside of a human being as they got exactly the opposite of what they deserved. We should have crowned him king while he was on this earth. But instead we crucified him. But then he arose three days later. He pops out of the tomb in resurrection power. Now let me just share this with you. If that had been me... I would have beelined it to Pilate's house. I'd have beelined it straight to Pilate's house. I, then, I'd, then Caiaphas is second on my list. I'd have made sure I swung by his place too. Then I'd go to the dormitories of the soldiers. And I'd look at them all and I'd say, Who demand? Who the man? But is it not interesting that instead of all of that, he revealed himself, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, only to about five to 600 people. Now that was, that was an incredible amount of people. But he revealed himself to five to 600 people, most of whom loved him and appreciated him, some who did not know him so they could still attest to the reality of the resurrection. But it's interesting that as you study the resurrection Jesus, the one who is after all of these events, I find it fascinating that you never hear him whining about the unfairness. You never hear him whining about the injustice. You never hear him talking about revenge and vengefulness and getting back. You never hear eye for an eye. Believe me, man, if it had been me and if it had been you, it might have been a different story. But instead, he enters into this thing, has every reason to feel vindicated, and yet says nothing about all of that. And he begins just to walk it out with the folks that he loves. And I started to ask myself the question, if indeed, and I believe he is, to be fully God and fully man, if he had every disposition and propensity and proclivity that I carry as well, if he had all of those things, why was it? That he didn't have that inkling of vengeance, that inkling of I'm going to get even, that inkling of anger and bitterness and all the other things that accompany us when we get wounded and when we feel like we've been done wrong. Why is that? And it suddenly dawned on me, bing, the cross. The cross. And get ready because this is going to hurt right here. I figure if I hurt, you ought to. Philippians 2, 5, it says this. Speaking of what Jesus did on the cross. Let this mind, everyone say let. You got to let it, let it. You, if you don't want to let it, you don't have to let it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Some of your versions will say, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then I started thinking about my own, because remember how this started. This all started with me trying to figure out why I'm a jerk. And I hope you're trying to figure out why you can be one at times. But I started thinking about wounds and I started thinking about hurts. And can I just say, and and, and all of us, I, I could line you up here and we could go down the rows of people and all of us could give our stories of wounds and hurts. I can tell you right now, I've had 25 plus years of accumulating wounds. Being in the house of God. You know, if I found them all, all the folks that ever provided a wound for me, if all of a sudden I found them all, and, and, and I wanted my moment. Now listen to me. Think about what I just told you about Jesus. And then I'm supposed to have the same attitude that he had. Think about this now. So let's say I, I, I've accumulated all of my wounds, all my hurts. And, and, and much like Jesus probably was confronted with, I decided I'm going to run down everybody that ever hurt, wounded, or did anything to me that produced something inside of me that was an open door. Let's just say I was going to go track them all down. It would take a while. It would for you too. I, I, I finally have determined that I'd probably get one of three responses. If I, were to, if I were to talk to the folk that I felt like somehow was unjust, unfair, woundedness, if I were to sit down, I'd get one of three responses. Number one, I would either hear this response to me. Well, Kevin, you're wrong. I don't see it like you see it. That's what one of the responses could be. A second response could be this. Well... That wasn't my motive, or that wasn't my intention. Or the third one could be, and it's the one we hope that we hear, is the one that says, you're right. And then at that point, we want them to fall at our ankles and grovel and weep and say, is it even possible to ever forgive me? That's what we want. But the question remains, listen to me, because I started to understand why Jesus did what he did. You want to know why he didn't go to Pilate and why he didn't go to Caiaphas and why he didn't go to the dormitory of the soldiers? I I got it. Finally, I got it. Because we have constructed our own way of healing a wound. And, And I'm not saying you can't have your moment and you go find whoever it is you need to find and you have your moment. But I'm going to share something with you that's going to be very, very important. And that is when you walk away from that moment, my question is this. Are you healed? I, I, I don't give a rip whether you feel like you got your pound of flesh. You let them know they didn't get away with it. They needed to know. They needed to hear. Yanny, 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 yanny. I want to know, are you healed? Because the answer is, no, you're not. You know why? Because they can't heal you. They can't close the door. They can't take away the wound. He was wounded for my transgressions. Bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. I would love if my wife has wounded me. I want my wife to know. She wants me to know. And I want to be able to say, Tracy, this is wounding. This is hurtful. And she wants to be able to say to me the same thing. But here's the key. Kevin cannot heal Tracy. Tracy cannot heal Kevin. You cannot find a human being's touch that will heal you. And we want to. And that's why we're not healed. It's because we want to avoid that. That's where our healing comes from, the cross. And that's why we keep going back, isn't it? Just pitch a tent under the cross. Lord, I'm going to live under the cross. On a hill far away stands an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. How I love that old cross. Where the dearest and blessed for world of lost sinners was slain. I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. 
You know what some of your trophies are? Some of, your, some of you are right now saying, once I, get my, once I get my pound and once I get my vindication, I got a trophy. I'm here to tell you, even that trophy is going to lay at the cross. You might as well get it there now. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Not maybe, not hope so, not could be. You're healed. Would you stand with me, please? These last seconds we have right now. This is what I'd like for you to do. If you've been, if you've been battling a tyrant... And can I just say that it could be any one of things that I've mentioned. It could be a hundred other emotions that I've not even identified. But if you're battling a tyrant right now inside of you and, and you've got wounds and you've got open doors, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not saying you can't go get your moment. You can't have whatever it is you want to have. Go have it. Go, go take it. If that's what you need, go get it. I have come to the conclusion that I could set up appointments with people from now probably for the next five years every day if I wanted to enumerate everything that's been done. And I can go talk to them all, say everything I want to say. We can even smile and hug. I can hear the three responses. You're wrong. It's not that way. Number two, it wasn't my motive. Or number three, you're right. But I'll still walk away just as torn up, messed up, and unhealed as can be i've got to get to the cross i gotta get to the cross that's why the cross is your only hope and whatever it is you're facing today if your feelings have taken you on a roller coaster ride i'm just going to encourage you right now to come to the cross and to say lord i reckon myself dead i reckon myself i envision myself dead I'm not saying you won't feel anymore. I'm not saying that feeling won't come anymore. I'm just saying I've decided today I'm dead to that thing. You're not going to rule me anymore. I'm just envisioning it. You're not ruling me anymore. I will not allow you to rule me. Lord, you shall rule me. Your word shall rule me. Your feelings shall take dominion over me. I'm telling you, you got to come to the cross. I can't teach you into this moment, but Jesus can bring you to this moment. And he can do the work inside of you. So Holy Ghost, help us right now as people get whole in this area of feelings. Lord, I pray, I pray what I cannot do, Lord, that you would do. I pray that what I cannot bring to a moment of convincing, that Lord, you would help your people not dodge. But let them for the first time maybe in their life say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be whole in this area. I'm tired of the feeling. I'm tired of it. Heal me. Close the door. Do it, Lord. Only you can do it. You carried it on the cross for me so that I wouldn't have to carry this. Lord, do it. Do it, do it, do it in Jesus' name. Would you keep praying, saints, right where you are? And if that's you, we just use these crosses as emblems. You can kneel, you can stand, but you just say, Lord, I'm dying. I'm dying to some of this stuff that's inside of me right now. Some have come already. If you want to, just come on and just spend a little time and get it, get it before the Lord. Let the cross come in and do its work. Let it do its work. I'm not, I'm not going to jump into your business right now. I'm just saying, you know what the feeling is. And you need to say, Lord, I cast this feeling upon the cross right now. Right now. Spend some time right now. Is there anyone else? L listen, we, we hide our feelings. We dodge them. Why don't you just let little light shine on them and let the Lord work on them a little bit right now. Let him work on it. I mean, I want you to be healed. I want you to be whole. More than I want it, God wants it. The Lord very much wants his people to enjoy all the wonderful feelings he can bring. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody's praying, right? Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. One of his ministry job descriptions was to heal the brokenhearted. Spirit of God, I can only tarry another moment or two, but there's enough time if you're really tugging on someone to bring them to the place.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is what I'm going to do. Everybody that's standing or kneeling or down front, listen to me very carefully for just a moment. As you're praying, you don't have to stop, but just listen to my voice for just a minute. I want you just to remain here. Now, I'm going to dismiss the congregation, and they're going to fellowship probably, and you're going to hear some noise. But this is what I want you to do. You need need to reckon yourself dead. Don't come down and make a trip and just say, well, I walked forward and went back and nothing happened. You need to say, Lord, reveal to me the power of the cross. Let the power of what you did come into me. Let this attitude be in me that was in you, Lord. I I need it. And maybe you can only throw an area or two out there. I, I, I know some people have, I mean, you have a list and God bless you, but But there are times God just peels things away a little at a time. So don't feel like, you know, 50 things have to be instantly done. Maybe it could be, but but get two or three of them, man. You can you can go after that and say, Lord, I'm going to arise over these. These are the big, big guys. I'm going to I'm going to get a victory over these guys and these feelings. And so I want you to linger as long as you need to. I can't pray a prayer that just makes it happen. You've got to seek God right now. You've got to seek God right now. And say, Lord, I will not let you go. I will not let you go until you've helped me reckon myself dead and then made alive unto you again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just one more moment. If you don't know Jesus and you've never opened up your heart or your life to him right now and you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ before we go, I've got about 30 seconds. I want you to come and join with me if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you want to make a first step in knowing Him, I'd love to pray with you before we go. I'm just going to give it just a few seconds, a few moments, if you'd like to do that. Just a few moments. Anyone? Just a few moments. Thank you, Lord. All right. These folks are going to hang tough. Congregation, I bless you. Thank you, Lord, for this people who, Lord, love you. They want to be all out for you. And I know you're doing good things in their lives. And I just pray right now, Lord, that as we dismiss and go our different directions, Lord, that we would take of your spirit that we drank from today, that we'd walk it out, that we would be victorious, not just this morning, but every single day this week. Lord, bless them, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So congregation, you can fellowship. Please be sensitive to these who are seeking God. And those of you that are down front, you just tarry as long as you like. All right. No one's rushing you off, but you just keep seeking God. God bless you. You're released.